Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. After winning their final five games of the regular season, including win number 20 on the year, Seton Hall is preparing for a run at its fourth Big East Tournament Championship. The Pirates won the title in 1991, 1993, and in 2016. This year's run begins on Wednesday night in a first-round matchup against Georgetown. Can the Hall do it? How do they handle the potential Connecticut-Villanova gauntlet on the way to the final? Who will lead the way? And who's in charge of the coffee and energy drink supply as the Hall and its fans get ready for some late-night basketball? To help answer those questions and more, it's my pleasure to welcome the team's longtime radio analyst, Dave Popkin, to Pirates Talk. Dave, thanks very much for joining me on Pirates Talk. We're recording this, just full disclosure, on Tuesday, so information will change as we go along. First off, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Always good to spend time with you, Matt. Thanks. And so I guess we'll start with Kadari Richmond, everyone holding their breath on Saturday, thinking, oh my goodness, the Hall shorthanded enough without Bryce Aiken. They won't go very far. I mean, maybe not even win that game against Creighton if Richmond is out. Well, he was out, but they did win. But what is his status? It seemed after the game like there was a sigh of relief. Is there anything you can add for us? No, not really. I, I don't think they'll know until Wednesday. Uh, he had been playing with a wrap on that thumb for weeks. And Kevin Willard said on our post-game show that he had actually been feeling better the last uh, few games. And uh, you've noticed that his three-point shooting has improved. And he said that that was kind of a function of, of the thumb feeling better. And uh, yeah, I was disappointed for Kadari that, that, that he had to sit for the rest of that game. And uh, it was the most impressive win of the year to me that they were able to do it without him in terms of his status. We don't know. He's going to get some imaging on the thumb and then they'll reevaluate it. Um, he's been playing hurt anyway. He was playing ill anyway. He was, you know, under the weather for a couple of weeks there. Um, and he's been very tough. So uh, I would imagine it's a big East tournament and he wants to play badly. He's from Brooklyn uh, to play in the garden. Uh, you know, it's got to be a great thrill. So, um, Will they hold them out Wednesday, you know, against Georgetown, thinking that maybe they can get by them without him and give him an extra day's rest? I don't know that that's feasible. Um, but Georgetown's given Seton Hall fits the last two times, right? Single digit wins for the Pirates in both of those. So uh, they need Richmond if they're going to go far in the NCAA tournament for sure. You know, in the open, I said uh, there are many questions to be asked, and one of them is, well, if Seton Hall gets by Georgetown, can they survive the Connecticut, then potentially Villanova gauntlet on their way to an appearance in the final? And that's really putting the cart before the horse, because as you mentioned, Georgetown, you look past Georgetown at your own peril if you're a Seton Hall fan or a Seton Hall player. Yes, you won twice. They weren't easy, as you mentioned. And Georgetown doesn't want to end the season on a 21-game losing streak. 20 is bad enough. So what concerns do you have? And then what are on the plus side in terms of checking the boxes for Seton Hall to advance? Well, on the plus side, they've learned how to play without Bryce Aiken. Um, I think that the ball has moved uh, pretty well lately and that Jameer Harris uh, has been Impressive in that he hasn't turned it over too much. Um, his three-point shooting is, has been pretty steady. Um, he's been driving to the basket strongly. Uh, the fact that Jared Roden has been able to go into takeover mode 
um, and control the end of ball games. And the fact that they're a veteran team and they don't lose the lead. Right? I mean, you look at their their halftime situation when they're leading or tied at the half. They're 16 and one this year. OK, so this is not a team that they've only gotten blown out once. They don't blow leads. So even with, let's say, Richmond's out, they have guys that can handle the ball that have been, you know, nobody's played more Big East games ever than Miles Kale. So Miles Kale is going to handle the ball. Uh, Jameer Harris is a fifth year player. You know, he'll handle the ball. Roden, senior, he'll handle the ball. Um, so I think you'll see more of Tyler Powell. Honestly, you saw him a little bit in the last ball game. Um, you know, if Seton Hall is to win four straight games and win the Big East tournament, he's going to have to play some minutes with or without Richmond um, just to give guys a blow and to, you know, provide a little bit of energy. Um, it, it's going to be difficult, you know, but Georgetown, you would think, has to win eventually. You hope that it's not Wednesday night. Yeah, you hope it's at the start of the 2022-23 <laughs> season and, and not pulling a shocker. And I, you know, I would imagine, I mean, there weren't many players or aren't many players on that Georgetown team who experienced last year's magical run to a title, but I'm thinking they probably feel like, all right, it was our time last year. Let's do it again. Different circumstances, but hey, let's do it again. So I'm sure they'll they'll have some confidence. It'll be up to the Hall to take that away from them as quickly as they can. So what else are we looking for in this opener before we kind of look ahead to the rest of the possibilities for Seton Hall? Is it just the health of Richmond and just kind of getting a Big East victory out of the way and getting your feet settled in this tournament? You know, I think that I heard you interview Gary about a week ago and you guys were talking about the seating. And I think it's changed since then in that most of the bracketologists have Seton Hall as a seven now. Um, so if they could cement that with a Georgetown win and then like play well and or win their next game, then you're talking about a six or a seven seed that uh, can avoid the dreaded eight, nine game. Where you're basically playing somebody else just like yourself, you know, a team that's equal and then have to play the number one seed in the second round. So there's a lot for Seton Hall to play for uh, right here. Um, I hate to say this, but the time that they actually won an NCAA tournament game, they were an early exit in the Big East tournament. Uh, it gave them more time to rest. It gave Desi Rodriguez at the time uh, more time to rest his ankle. They ended up beating NC State and giving Kansas fits in the second round because they didn't have to play uh, four straight days and then like two days later get on a flight. So um, Georgetown, I, I would figure that they'll press Seton Hall with or without Richmond, because if he plays, he's obviously, you know, diminished. He's playing with maybe not his best handle uh, with the thumb. And if he doesn't play, um, then, you know, the Pirates might be susceptible to turnovers without now their top two point guards in Aiken and Richmond. Um, uh, Seton Hall guards the three point line well, and that is what Georgetown does well. So it's not a great matchup for Georgetown, because if the Pirates can take that away, um, you know, I think Georgetown could have trouble scoring inside against that big pirate front line. And it'll be interesting to see compared to uh, Saturday or uh, I'm sorry, um, compared to the last time they played Georgetown, which was senior night. There was a lot of emotion. And, and Kevin, I know, spoke with you and Gary after the game about how oh, we might have to do something different because it is so emotional. The seniors come out and then you've got to play a game. And I think that was reflected in their performance. And so maybe it'll be a little different because, hey, it's the Big East. Let's go. And there's not it's a different kind of emotion, right? 
Yeah, and I think that this team has been pretty even all year. You know, I've seen them get up after a couple wins. They were pretty giddy after the win at Xavier. Um, and we had like a weird night after that where the plane wasn't ready. So we basically <laughs> waited for like four hours in the hotel um, back at the airport uh, while they got things ready to get us out of town. And it was like a good bonding experience for everyone to kind of just be happy and, and hang out. But most of the time, this team is very businesslike, win or lose. Like after the last game at Creighton, I figured, okay, you know, they're going to be thrilled. This is a, it's not an upset because, you know, Seton Hall is 30 points higher in the net and, and they blew out Creighton the first time, but Creighton had been playing great and it's on their home floor and it's their senior day and your, you know, your point guard gets hurt. Uh, I, I figured they would be really high, you know, after the game. And it was just like business as usual for this team. And, and I think that's the beauty of having an older team that's been through it. A lot of these guys have played a hundred plus games in their career and they know what's at stake. You know, they, they know that, you know, they need to win, you know, at least that first game to, uh, you know, cement a good seed and, and move on because, you know, they've been through a lot of like miles kale and Jared road. And some of these guys have been through, you know, being in that eight, nine game or being a 10 seed. And, and it's, it's not a great place to be. What is different about Jared Roden halfway through the season? The weight of the world seemed to be on his shoulders. The start, everyone was jumping nine in one winning big games. And it was just a, a, a big wave that the club was right riding. And then the struggles and he just couldn't hit a shot. Um, he just seemed to be, as I said, bearing the weight of the Seton Hall world on his shoulders now he still does because he's, you know, first team all Big East named earlier this week. But he's also, I don't know, accepting the role. I, I, I'm, I'm searching for what the difference is. You see him all the time. What's the big difference? First of all, um, he's a great kid, and I've never seen a more fit person in my life. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. guy is in incredible shape. I mean, by far the most fit pirate in my 19 years. The only other one that comes to mind is John Allen, who was really in great shape uh, as well. But Jared Roden, he's built for the long haul of the season. So where other guys might be getting tired, he's not. He's coming on. So I, I think that that might be a factor. The fact that Aiken is not around and, and you know, it's clear that they need Roden to shoot the ball at the end of the game um, and that they find ways to get it to him in good position, I think has, has been big. And, and shot selection. You know, sometimes he feels like, okay, the offense is, is wayward right now. I need to go get some points. And that's not a good place to be, you know, because he's maybe not the best guy off the dribble. He's becoming a lot better with that. He's been able to find his own shot. Uh, but if he could just play within the flow, like his first couple of years, he played within the flow and his scoring went up every year, every year. And it's gone up this year. And if he just takes smart shots and sees a couple go in, he's going to have a big game. And one of his most impressive games was this past game against Creighton. I mean, the game against Xavier as well, where he, he went off for 30. Uh, but in the Creighton game, like I think he scored five of their last six field goals and a couple of more tough shots. And he was just money. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just had that look in his eye and, and he knows how important these games are at the end of the season. So uh, I'm a big fan. And I think that um, they'll go as far as he can take them. A coach always guards against looking ahead, but that's okay. 
you're not Kevin Willard, neither am I. So let's look <laughs> ahead. <laughs> uh, if Seton Hall gets past Georgetown, and it would be an upset if they didn't, despite the closeness of the two games during the regular season, UConn awaits. I'm licking my chops waiting for that matchup. I know I, I've got to see the Hall through Wednesday's opener. But what excites you about round three of the matchup? Well, Thursday is always my favorite day at the Big East tournament. Um, How come? You've got, the, you've got the four games. Everybody's pretty evenly matched. You're fighting to get into the semis. Uh, it's it's a long day, and, and, you know, people take off from work, and they hang out there all day, and it's just – it's fun. It's, it's what college basketball is about. Uh, in terms of UConn specifically, uh, the teams split this year. The game at the Rock uh, was one of the most exciting uh, I've ever called. Uh, the overtime game when Richmond was in takeover mode at the end. Um, they struggled when he did not do the same thing <laughs> up at stores. Uh, and that's a very tough home court advantage. So neutral court, you know, I would figure that UConn would be a small favorite in that game. But really, these teams are pretty much the same at this point. You know, you, you see Providence play Villanova to a two-point game. Um, you know, you see UConn and Creighton play a close game out in Omaha. Um, St. John's has been difficult. Marquette, it was so hot early in the year. Um, so can Seton Hall win that game? Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that controlling Adama Sonogo is the big key. Up in stores, they really couldn't do that. He's had a couple of off games lately for whatever reason with his shooting. Um, so, you know, if they can hold him to 10 or 12 points, I think the Pirates have a good chance. He is a man child for sure. Uh, older, but similarly built, taller and broad, just like Sonogo, of course, is Ike Obiagu. But he's gotten into some foul trouble lately. He seems he's so anxious to get a block, but he's not as athletic as Sonogo. Is that going to be the key matchup, or will it be Tyree Samuel using his athleticism and size against a guy like Sonogo, who's probably stronger and can play a more physical game? That's why these coaches make the big bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's you can rotate guys on them and and see what works. Um, wh- whatever you know they did last game, I think that they'll tweak that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, he was really able to get good position. He can score with either hand, and he's gotten a lot better this year in all aspects of the game, right? Uh, shot blocking, catching the ball, uh, his shooting in particular. Um, this is a guy that did not play a lot of basketball as a kid and is really just coming on. Like I interviewed Romaro Gill uh, a couple of games ago, and he said, you know, I didn't play basketball until I was in high school, so I'm still getting better. And he's a guy that's going to be like 28 years old, and he feels like he's still getting better. And I think that, you know, Sonogo's just he's a sophomore and he's he's still improving and, I mean, an elite player. I mean, I think that he is one of the few true uh, NBA prospects in the Big East right now. I don't know that he'll go this year. He could really use another year or two to to get better and be coached by Dan Hurley. But um, he's a handful. You know, I, I you could definitely double him. You know, there are guys on that I could you know double off of. It depends on you know who's on the side of the floor with him. If they pair him up with a good three point shooter, maybe you can't uh, double him. Maybe you try to front him, but it's. Uh, it's it's a big chore, and I think it's it's their biggest chore. Then the second biggest would be R.J. Cole or not? Do you see something else as the second challenge against UConn? 
Yeah, I think it's just the their length and their depth. I mean, you look at some of these guys like Whaley and Polly and um, you know, they can they can match up, you know, with the Rodens and the Yetnas and 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 guard, you know, Kale on the perimeter and uh Cole. Yes, I mean the guy has scored over two thousand points, uh major uh talent, uh an overachiever, uh leader for this team. Uh, they obviously want him to take the shots at the end of the game. That didn't work out in the Creighton game. He kind of clanged some, uh, but he's had a big year and he's one of the better guards in the league. Um, it, it seems like, you know, he's their leader. So I think Seton Hall has the speed and the length, you know, to keep him under control, you know, to keep him maybe under 15 instead of over 20. And then where do they go for points? You know, then they need Tyrese Martin to go off for 20 or to have, you know, Polly or Whaley have over 12 because Seton Hall, you know, I mean, they're averaging 75 points a game. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and they're holding people lately to like 65. So UConn needs to figure out a way to score against this team. Seton Hall's defense has been terrific um, all year, really, but particularly the last 10 or 12 games. So uh, for them, it's about, I think, where do the points come from? Uh, you know, against a good defensive Seton Hall team. The Hall won in 2016, different circumstances entirely. They were the third seed. They were, I think, 20th going into the into the tournament. Uh, a different club, different circumstances entirely. What do you remember from that tournament, that brilliant final against Villanova? And, and is there even a slight similarity to anything you see this year? Well. Yeah, I mean, it's similar defense and grit uh, to that team. And that's Kevin you know, that Willard, team, right? That's that's what he does. It is. And, you know, there are a lot of local guys, you know, on this on this team and and guys that know each other and have, you know, in the case of like Roden and Kale have played together for a long time. So um, the coaching staff has been largely the same, you know, for for most of their careers. So I, I think the continuity the confidence, um, those kinds of things are, are similar. Um, I love that 2016 team. I was a big Kadeen Carrington guy, still am, you know, one of my favorites, um, Desi and, uh, Angel and I, Isaiah Whitehead. I mean, you go up and down Michael Enzi, Sonogo had a big game in the final, um, one of the best of his career. And, and I just remember on the Whitehead, shot. And I think I, I told this to, to Chris Pazis or somebody recently uh, on a podcast, but I remember the whitehead shot and Kevin Willard falling down and thinking, Oh, oh my God, they're finally going to do it. You know? <laughs> and um, Gary had a big call and I let it breathe for a second. And I said, that ball sat on the back of the rim for 23 years because it kind of clanged around and, and finally went through for whitehead and, and Seton hall hadn't done it since the early nineties. <laughs> when they had the great teams with uh, with Jerry Walker and Terry DeHair and the guys. So um, it was a jubilant moment for Seton Hall people. They had waited so long. And like I went outside afterwards and, and the band was playing out on the promenade there and people were just truly joyous, <laughs> you know? And then uh, I walked down the street and looked in the bars and uh, there were all the Seton Hall people celebrating. And I saw some of the, you know, the coaches and the old players and, it was just a great moment. It was like they won the national championship. 
you know, because they hadn't won anything like that in so long. And um, it was fun. You know, it was it was a fun team for sure. And uh, and the school was nice enough to give us rings afterwards, which was you know very gracious and kind and uh, certainly something that I treasure. Well, maybe there'll be another ring in your offing. That was an iconic moment. And that was, uh, uh, as you said, a great call by Gary. But your follow up, uh, just as iconic and just as much a part of Seton Hall history. So is there an Ish Sinogo on this team that might have the game of his life in this tournament to propel them to championship number four? That's, I think, the strength of the team, Matt, really. I mean, it could be a number of guys, and it has been. Like if there are certain games where like if Trey Jackson doesn't go off and hit his four or five threes, they lose like the game at Georgetown. If Trey Jackson doesn't go off, they lose the game at Michigan. If Trey Jackson doesn't go off, they lose. Okay, so they need him to play well. And it's been like an either or lately, like he's played pretty well on the road, hasn't played great at home. Maybe this will feel like a road game to him and and he'll be able to hit some shots because when they can make threes it's a very difficult team to beat. And the other guy uh, really too uh, are the forwards that they bring off the bench, right? Samuel and Yetna. Most teams don't have that where they're veterans, great offensive rebounders can make a shot, can get out in transition and dunk. Uh, Yetna can score with either hand. Yetna is a good free throw shooter. So you see these guys in there a lot when the team is making a run, right? Samuel and Yetna, are, are big. And if you can get double figures from those guys, all of a sudden the other team has to look and say, who do we stop? <laughs> right? I mean, if Harris is making shots and Jackson's making shots and, and these guys are getting offensive rebounds, then, then Seton Hall is a, is a difficult draw for UConn or Georgetown or anybody. Yep. Let's see what happens as it begins against Georgetown. Last two, and I'll let you go. One is just take us through the rest of the teams in the tournament. Just an overview from your standpoint. What are you seeing happening uh, and you can say Seton Hall makes it to the final. Maybe you think that they'll lose somewhere in between. How do you see things shaking out? I think it's incredibly deep and it's anybody's guess. I, I, I mean, if I had to pick, I would pick Villanova, right? I, I think that Gillespie has been down this road so many times. I don't think he's 100% health wise right now. He doesn't look like it to me. He's gotten injured a couple times this year. Uh, but you know, a guy been on the big East first team several times and is one of the, one of the great college players right now. Um, so you have somebody like that, that's, you know, going to make a big shot, a big steal, big free throw at the end of the game. Justin Moore at big East second team is underrated. You know, I think he could have been on the first team. Uh, so with a backcourt like that and with Eric Dixon improving and, you know, there's not a lot of teams that have a Jermaine Samuels, you know, like they're good. They're really good. And, um, I think that, you know, Providence has been terrific because, uh, they have a, a big and Nate Watson. that's hard to contain down low. And Jared Bynum has been better than people expected. Um, you know, I mean, they play such good defense. Cooley is a phenomenal coach. Um, you know, I don't think that they have the best talent, but they might, you know, they might have the most mojo right now. Uh, I mean, they're obviously somebody you don't want to play <laughs> if you draw them. Sure. So, um, but you look up and down the line, I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if one of five or six teams, including Seton Hall, you know, could win it or make a run to the final. Xavier's not hot right now. Uh, Marquette is not particularly hot right now. Um, 
you know, Creighton had a little bit of wind taken out of their sails on Saturday, but they're very good. Um, they're without their point guard. So, I mean, I, I think that um, if I were to handicap it, I would say Villanova, Providence, UConn, Seton Hall. And then kind of from there, um, you know, see where it shakes out. Uh, but obviously, you know, injuries are going to play a part and, you know, how they call the games, you know, foul trouble, things like that, things that you can't predict. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a it's a deep tournament. The games are going to be close. They have been all regular season. There's been very few blowouts in the league. Um, so it'll be fun. Yeah. And the first time we'll have full crowds at the Garden uh in a while last year they played it but it was you know there's nobody there because of COVID the year before it was canceled in the middle in the middle at the start of the tournament anyway it's going to be great to see a packed garden and and the big east back and I was smiling when you mentioned calls because it's become a thing now right who's officiating the game like that's a social media thing oh this is the guys on the crew well you can expect this from this guy this guy's going to insert himself into it who's going to call a technical on this coach or that coach it's a part hey listen it's always been a part of the game but now there's a there's a focus on it that I really haven't seen. Maybe it's just social media makes it accessible to everyone to have their opinion. But yeah, that's a big part of it too. I was talking to somebody from the Big East recently and uh, they said, okay, you know, guys miss calls, whatever. But, you know, if you talk to the coaches, you talk to the administrators, you know, in the off season uh, and you ask them, okay, if our guys are so bad, who do you want? We have the best guys in the country. Like <laughs> the Big East has really good refs, refs with 20, 30, 40 years experience. And like at Saturday, you had Brian O'Connell and you had Pat Driscoll and you had Wally Ritecki on the game. Some people don't like Ritecki. Some people don't like Driscoll. That was a good crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and in a pretty big game. So these guys get it right most of the time. You know, I think going to the monitor, you know, for five minutes at a time, that's been a problem this year uh you know james breeding obviously with a quick trigger giving people technicals and ejections has been a problem this year but you know by and large uh the refs are pretty good uh, i think that we've seen fewer fouls called lately um you haven't seen a lot of foul trouble because they're just letting them play you know especially in the first half like it tightens up a little bit in the second half that i've seen in in seton hall's games and some of the other games but uh generally it's Big East basketball, man. It's physical, and they're letting them play and letting the players decide it, and, and I'm okay with that. And me too. Let, let let the players decide. So here is the last one. I said two questions, kind of drifted off into some commentary there about the officials, but this is the last question. Who's bringing the coffee and the energy drinks? You got a late start against Georgetown. If Seton Hall wins, you got the 9.30 game against UConn. If Seton Hall wins there, oh, you got a 9 o'clock game slightly earlier in the semis on Friday. So who's got the energy drinks covered? Who's got the coffee? Who's doing it? Gary goes with the, with like the iced coffee with the cold brew. And I go with the hot coffee because it kind of clears my throat out a little bit and gives me the caffeine. Uh, and now that I'm at, of this advanced age, I need a nap <laughs> Right for these nine thirty games. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to get a nap in those days because uh, that's a long night. You know, we're on the air until midnight. You know, once we get, you know, a coach in the post game show and, you know, we clean up and get off the air and I'm home at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, it's it's not ideal, you know, being in that 930 game, but it's great being in the tournament, whatever time it is. And um, yeah, I, with all these late games of TV, I've become quite the coffee connoisseur. There we go. I like the hot coffee. I'm not a nice coffee guy. Sorry, Gare, but. 
Give me, <laughs> give me, give me the good stuff. Pour it hot, just a little milk, and we're fine. Dave, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to certainly the calls in the Big East, and hopefully it's more than just a couple of games. And then the NCAA tournament follows, and hopefully the Hall gets a good seed and they can get past that first weekend. And that would make for a very nice spring for sure. Thanks so much for your time. Matt, it's my favorite time of year. And I was glad that uh, you and I got a chance to broadcast a couple of those uh, games together on Seton Hall Radio this year. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was. I, I, I had a blast. And I'm glad that the Hall beat Creighton in my second go-round because there might not have been a third invite after that loss <laughs> at Marquette and the injury to Bryce Aiken. But at any rate, uh, all's well that ends well. And uh, I walked out of the arena with a victory against Creighton, courtesy of the Pirates. <laughs> anyway, Dave, thanks very much. See you soon. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks to Dave Popkin for generously sharing his time. He and play-by-play man Gary Cohen will be on late-night duty Wednesday night when the Hall plays Georgetown in a scheduled 9.30 p.m. tip-off. And hopefully there'll be late-night hoops on Thursday and Friday as well. Regardless of the results, there is sure to be more basketball this season for the Pirates, with the NCAA tournament getting underway next week. But we wish them the very best of luck in pulling down that fourth Big East Tournament Championship. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, as always, to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates!